Good evening. Good to see you. It's an honor always to be back here. I love coming to Gospel Baptist. I have been preaching 50, but I started when I was nine. So that's the reason all that's happened. But it's been good years. It's been excellent. 30 years of teaching. I still say Piedmont because of Piedmont Divinity School. That's what we're a part of at Carolina University. Along with Wayne Willis, dear friend, uh, Matt Smith, Rob Decker, the, some of your speakers, all of these are just such dear friends, and it's a privilege for me. So we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 3. You want to go there in your Bibles? Thank you, Brother Paul, for inviting me again. Nick was a, a special, a special student of ours, and uh, <laughs> so I'm glad you caught that. <laughs> but we had, I mean, I, I think I've probably done more ministry with Nick than any other student we've ever had. When we were, it was, I think it was pastoral theology, <clears throat> and it was Christmas time, and our church was, was going to give out uh, clothes and toys to families, needy families. So the, the, some of the students in pastoral theology agreed to help. So we all went out, bought the stuff, <clears throat> used the church money, bought it. But Nick was the one, he and, he and I are the ones that actually delivered the stuff to all the homes. And so, I mean, those are great, great, great memories of, of service together. So I want us to think about Nehemiah, the ideal lay leader. I'm going to give you some quotes from writers on leadership. <clears throat> and I want you to, I'm going to give you three. And I want you to help me pick out the one word that describes leadership according to these men. The first one is by J. Oswald Sanders, spiritual leadership. Leadership is influence, the ability of one person to influence others. Hans Fenzel wrote, Leadership is influence. A leader takes people where they would never go on their own. And then Chuck Swindoll. What do we mean when we use the word leadership? Influence. You lead someone to the measure you influence him. What, what's the one word, everybody? Influence. I love that. I know that's simple, but I love that definition because that means any Christian is a leader in that sense if he or she influences. And the, the, the person who had the most influence in my life, in my, in my growing up years, my formative years, by far was my mother. She didn't hold a position. She didn't have a title. She was a mother, a housewife. But she influenced me to Christ, influenced me really in the, into the ministry. So that's what we're emphasizing with Nehemiah. <clears throat> that's what he's emphasizing, lay leadership. By that, I mean verses like pastors and missionaries, every, every, every believer. So Nehemiah fits that role very well. Nehemiah was not a king, prophet, priest. He was a cupbearer for King Artaxerxes. He had influence, probably the most influence on Artaxerxes than any other person. He was his trusted advisor. He tested the food. When his life was under threat of assassination, he, he tested the drink. So 
he was trusted, and he had great influence on him. So here's this layman, lay, layman, this not not professional leader, doing great, having great influence. And there's six marks, and I'm not only going to emphasize one of them, but I'm going to walk through the first uh, four real quick. This is how Nehemiah entered. Uh, exercise influence. Lay leaders, Nehemiah shows us, lay leaders show concern for God's word. He heard the walls were down. That meant Israel, or the Jerusalem, was not just unprotected physically from, from military threat, but spiritually when those nations came in with their false teaching. It broke his heart. He wept, and then he next prayed. His concern led him to pray for God's people. So lay leaders pray for God's people. And then lay leaders follow their leader. Artaxerxes was Nehemiah's leader. He was a, a secular pagan. He wasn't a, a believer. But Nehemiah in that secular atmosphere was loyal to him, respectful to him, and followed his leadership. I think the sequence is important here because next Lay leaders motivate their followers. He, he followed his leader. His leaders followed him. He sort, of, he sort of reaped what he sowed. But then that brings us to where I want us to focus in Nehemiah chapter 3. Lay leaders organize their work. Lay leaders. I went to a Awana conference in Charlotte one time that had 800 Awana workers and 10 pastors. Was that, was that good or bad? I don't think it was either. What would have been bad had there been 800 pastors and 10 Awana workers. Because Awanas is a layperson ministry. You're talking about volunteers? That, that's what we're talking about here. Nehemiah was a volunteer leading volunteers. And so I want us to, I want us to look in... Nehemiah chapter 3, and see how he did that, how we can do that. How can lay leaders organize their work? There's this three principles here. Number one, lay leaders divide the, the work into manageable parts. So Nehemiah's rebuilding two miles of broken down wall that Nebuchadnezzar broke down. Two miles. But what does he do? He divides that work into 41 teams. Just go through Nehemiah chapter 3 sometime. And here's, here's what Nehemiah's doing. I, I think Nehemiah put on his hard hat. He went to the north wall. He went counter, counterclockwise. And he, just, he went from each of those ten gates, from west, south, east, back north. And he's just sort of giving us a guided tour of this work site. But we see all kinds of spiritual principles here. He, he, he divided it up into manageable parts. How do, you, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You see those little guys in the corner with their knife, fork, spoon? One bite at a time. How do you write a research paper? Night before, all-nighter? How do you read through the scriptures in one year? You don't start in December, right? Manageable parts gets the job done. So that's the first principle. 
He, the lay leaders divide the work up into manageable parts for themselves, for others. Number two, lay leaders delegate responsibility. This is, this, is the, this is the big part of the message here. This is the big part of what we see in Nehemiah chapter 3. So I'm going to walk through some of the ways that he delegated. This is a major portion right here of Nehemiah chapter 3. Lay leaders delegate responsibility to those with a vested interest. Chapter 3, verse 1. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and they builded the sheep gate, and they sanctified it and set up the doors of it. So who, does he, who did he put by the sheep gate? The priests, because they're the ones who are going to be bringing the sacrifices. That's... that's that's what they're it. That's their ministry. That's what they have an interest in. Nehemiah saw that, and so he just connected people to tasks that they already were interested in. I had one, one, one of our church members came to me once, and he said, Pastor, our church needs a men's prayer breakfast. I never forget hearing John MacArthur say, if somebody says we need to do this, you say, you are the perfect person because you have a burden for it and he did it that ministry's been that ministry's that men's prayer breakfast has been going on once a month over or around 30 years and he's still doing it it was his burden and so we helped him of course got got it going but find out what somebody is interested in burdened over and then connect him to that Nehemiah did. Delegate to secure unity. That's verses 2 and following. Verse 2. And next unto him. That, that little statement is, is, is found 28 times <clears throat> in Nehemiah chapter 3. And next unto him. Those 41 teams. They, it's like they had two, two miles of unbroken unity. Almost. Because we read in verse 5. And next unto them, the Koahites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of their Lord. But. So here's this, here's this incredible leader. And, and we, we're, Nehemiah chapter 3 is an organizational masterpiece. And Nehemiah is the one who who did this organizing. He's the one that exhorted the leadership. But did everyone follow? No. That, that's, that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> when, when a, a pastor that I know, highly respect, great leader, great preacher, and he had, he had the candor to say in one message, over the last 10 years, I've had more people to leave my church than to join my church. I thought, you, you, you got some nerve saying that, but I'm so glad you said it. Because that relieves some of the rest of us. Another pastor said, when, when there's somebody that's opposing your work, be like that old farmer who's got a stump out in the field. You don't take your tractor, you don't tear up your tractor trying to get that stump out. What do you do? You plow around it. Nehemiah had to plow around 
different people who would not follow his leader. It's inevitable, folks. The greatest leaders have to do that. Nehemiah is our example. And then, delegate according to nobler interests. Look in verse 7. Verse 7. And next unto them repaired the Melatiah, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Menethite, the men of Gibeon, and of Mizpah, unto the throne of the governor. So notice these other little cities around. Gibeon, Mizpah, what are they doing? They are coming to the aid of Jerusalem. Because if, if Jerusalem falls, so will they. Even though they don't have a direct interest or benefit, they know that they should contribute to this greater ministry. I've, I've heard church members actually say this. Why should, why, should I, why should I contribute to the youth ministry when I don't have any young people in the youth ministry? Well, why, why, sh why should we? Because they, they're, hopefully they're involved now, but they are the next generation of leaders in the church, aren't they? We're, we're, we're planting seed now for a future reward for the benefit of the church. That's 2 Timothy 2, isn't it? Verse 2, pass on to others. Paul said to Timothy, what I pass on to you, you pass on to others, and you have that generation, pass it on to another. That's four generations right there in 2 Timothy chapter 2. That's, that's the way we should be looking. That's the way Nehemiah is looking. And then delegate according to abilities, verses 8 and 9. Next unto, and next unto him repaired Uziel, the son of Harbahi, the goldsmith. You, look, you read a little further, you got apothecaries or those perfume makers. So what are they doing? We don't know exactly those, those goldsmiths. Maybe with, they were so used to intricate work, maybe, maybe they, they, they fixed the locks on the doors. We don't know. But then you got the rulers in verse 9. And next unto him repaired Raphaim, the son of Hur, the ruler of the half part of Jerusalem. Here's these rulers getting their hands dirty in construction. They were not above getting involved. And so you see how everyone is working. They're using their abilities, but they're also, I think, humbling themselves and doing service that maybe people would not think they would be doing. I think that about the, the rulers here. I remember on campus of Bob Jones when I was walking to chapel, and Bob, Dr. Bob III was walking to chapel. And I saw him go down the sidewalk, and somebody had dropped their, their nasty Kleenex on the sidewalk. And he reached down, he picked it up, and he took it and put it in the garbage. He wanted that campus to be a good testimony. And here's the president. He's getting ready to walk in chapel and preach. But he's not above doing lowly service. None of us are above it. We delegate to all, verse 12. And next unto him repaired Shalom, the son of Halobesh, 
Halohesh, the ruler of half of the part of Jerusalem, he and his daughters. So the children, the daughters are working. Everyone is taking a part. Verse 13 talks about the valley gate. Verse 14 talks about the dung gate. We, we don't have to have much imagination to know what's going on there, do we? The dung gate. But there's people who were willing to do whatever is going on there in not a pleasant, most likely, surrounding. Don't we thank God for those who clean the bathrooms, the restrooms, so that when you come in here on Sunday morning, they don't, they don't smell like a porta john We thank God for those who are willing to serve wherever God would put them. He delegated to those willing to do what we might call mundane tasks, verse 26. Moreover, verse 26, the Nethanims dwelt in Ophel unto the place over against the water gate. So who are the Nethanims? That goes all the way back to Joshua chapter 9 when that, that group tried to betray uh, Joshua that they were far off. They had old clothes and old water containers. They deceived Joshua, but when he found out they had deceived him, he said, you are going to be haulers of water for the rest of your life. And here's generations later. What are they doing? They're hauling water. They are willing to do what some might think is mundane, but very necessary. How could they do, how could they accomplish this feat without water? Nourishment. Who, who, who impresses, who gives the first impression most of the time to visitors who walk onto your, your campus? It's, most of the time it's not the pastor. It's the greeters. It's the ushers. What we think, that's mine. He's not behind the pulpit. That's first impression. Matter of fact, Everyone is a greeter, right? I remember reading this, little, this book one time, How to Grow a Small Church. I remember two things about the book. One, one was this. He, he was talking sort of more, more about rural churches. And I was passing a rural church at that time. He said, rural churches intermarry. You know, you got these families here and they intermarry. And every time you come to church, it's almost like a family reunion. You backslapping. Good to see you, uncle. But when a visitor comes, who has it, who's not married in, they almost say, and I actually heard one church member say, what are they doing here? What are they doing here? That's why we are here. We're all greeters in that sense. But you have some people here just doing what Nobody's going to notice. It's not going to be announced. But God's watching. And somebody's going to come back the second time because of a friendly face and a friendly word. He delegated authority. 41 teams with 41 leaders. John Maxwell said, Decisions should be made at the lowest level. The leaders should be making the big decisions. 
Those down here should be making those decisions. Otherwise, the leader's going to be worn out and burnt out, right? You remember Jethro, Exodus 18, the Jethro principle? Moses, you're killing yourself. Sunrise, sunset. People are lined up. Delegate that stuff. Moses did. You remember the apostles? They got so wrapped up in church ministry, it was taking them away from what? Prayer and the ministry of the Word. And then it says after that, that, that the church began to grow even more. Delegation. How do leaders organize their work? They divide it into manageable parts, they delegate it, and then, I really love this aspect of Nehemiah's leadership. He recognized his workers. Lay leaders recognize their workers. There's three, there's three kinds of material in Nehemiah. You have the narrative, the story of the rebuilding of the wall, chapters 1 to 6. You have prayers that, that make up 11%. Look at this. Lists of names make up over half. How about that, folks? You know what Nehemiah's doing? He's, I'm writing down everything somebody does. He's giving credit to others. 75 names in Nehemiah chapter 3. Have you guys ever been part of an a, a appreciation banquet? An appreciation banquet. We've had, we've had a few appreciation banquets. We, one of them we had a big pig picking. And it doesn't matter what you're having. You have a pig picking, and they're going to come. So we had a pig picking. And then we went in, we, we ate, and then we, we just tried to recognize every group that we could. Sunday school teachers have, have one of the students and stand up and say, My Sunday school teacher changed my life. And you just do that. You just recognize everybody you can. I mean, when that's over and you say, uh, can, can, we have, can we have some people to get some brooms and mops and help clean up? It's just, everybody's just rushing around, picking up, taking out the garbage. And I always like to do this before nominations. Nomination committee to get people excited about volunteers. How many do you need, Nick? How many do you need? Fifteen? We ought, we ought to read Nehemiah chapter 3 and say, hey, count me in. Count me in. My wife loves to write thank you notes, and she's good at writing thank you notes. I write something, and I read what she wrote. I just throw mine away. <laughs> I, think we have, I think we have people, people in our church, people outside of our church, just do stuff for us so they can get a thank you note from my wife. People, they just want to be thanked and recognized. And that's what... 
Nehemiah did. But I, I want to I end on this. Well, how did he end it all? He gave glory to God. Turn to chapter 6. This is, this is now, this is at the end, okay? Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 15. So the wall, Nehemiah 6, verse 15. So the wall was finished in the 25th day of the month, Elu, and the 52nd day. In other words, it took eight weeks of six days because they took the Sabbath off. But look at the impact, verse, verse 16. And it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen, that is the Gentile nations round about them, that were about us, saw these things. They were cast down in their eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. They didn't just say, wow, what, what organization? And they said, look what God is doing through these believers. They weren't impressed with the work itself. But they were impressed that God's people loved him so much they were doing that. Lay leaders organized their work. They, they divided into manageable parts. So what part can you be involved in? They delegate responsibility. But then there, there are those who receive that delegated responsibility. And then they recognize their workers. Just become a thank you person. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me pray. Well, thank you so much for this example, this ideal example of a lay leader. And Father, I pray that you will use his example to challenge us to just immerse ourselves into the life of this local church. For your honor and for your glory. And Father, thank you again for the privilege to be here. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.